Chapter 28 Supernal Joy in the Latter-day Camps of Zion And it shall come to pass that the righteous shall be gathered out from among all nations, and shall come to Zion singing with songs of everlasting joy. Doctrine and Covenants 45 verse 71 During the great Latter-day Gathering, which is yet a little ways before us, God will bring us up out of Babylon to gather into places of harbors from the storm. It would serve no purpose whatsoever to do this to make us miserable and to leave us feeling downtrodden. On the contrary, he wants us to recognize and appreciate that moment as one when he will be saving us from going through the worst of the tribulations. When his wrath will be most mightily spread out among the wicked, our God, who is a great God, desires to cultivate a people who are filled with joy, purpose, and gratitude to meet him when he comes again. This time, he will come in his might and great glory to reign personally for a thousand years. Some have already experienced the supernal joy of the saints living in the camps of Zion because they have had the foresight and wisdom to go out into the wilderness for trial runs with their tents and camping gear. These are they who already have personal testimonies regarding that which is soon to come. So they were eager to sign up for for and attend Camp Zarahemla the Bare Bones Camp, or any number of other practice camps of Zion. I imagine that a small book could be written about all of the many things that they learned by toiling in the wilderness for a week or so without plumbing, electricity, microwave ovens, and other conveniences of the modern world, such as daily hot showers. However, at the very top of that list of experiences garnered by attending Zion's camp, surrounded by like-minded souls, is the feeling of joy, camaraderie, peace, and oneness of purpose that is completely unlike anything that they had ever experienced before in their entire lives. Who could ever have imagined that the very opposite of depravity and extreme back-to-basics living would be the joy of the group's energy and selfless service to the collective? We speak in terms of an oasis with plenty of water and shady palm trees in the middle of the great sandy desert with its relentless burning sun. Among ourselves, we talk about the stillness of the eye of the Class 5 hurricane, while standing there in the relative calmness watching houses, trucks, and farm implements flying around at over 100 miles per hour right in front of our faces. How often, however, do we speak when driving down the road or when gathered around the evening fireplace about the societal transitioning from hectic business of Babylon to the peacefulness and simplicity of living in a communal refuge surrounded by the purest of the saints, where the excitement, high-frequency energy, and anticipatory faith is so thick and palpable that you can literally reach out and feel them with your hands? One of the major purposes for the gathering is to bring these groups of gathered saints out and up into a higher level of spirituality than anything that they have previously experienced. In the pre-mortal realms of their existence, they had already seen a panoramic vision of the benefits of passing through the last days, accompanied by the exponential personal spiritual growth and living through it hand in hand with the Lord himself. Some of us have had visions and dreams of the Lord walking among us, visiting the very camp of Zion to which we have been assigned. He was blessing us as a group and pronouncing marvelous promises upon us as a whole. Some have also seen him embracing the little children and many others right while walking amongst us. He was lifting up various individuals in camp as with the wings of eagles, rewarding them, as it were, for devoting their all to him in ways that are so sacred that some parts of it are not permitted to bring forth in open forum. 
We already witnessed the phenomenal spiritual growth and exponential increase in the level of the righteousness of the saints as a whole community. We already saw previously what it is like to live in the camps of Zion, surrounded by numerous angels from the unseen world who actually uncloaked themselves and appeared to us occasionally to encourage us and to convey messages of importance periodically, as they are authorized to do so by those holding appropriate priesthood keys. It is all about creating joy, not necessarily finding it while yet in the midst of the journey. One way to envision the supernal joy of the saints in the camps of Zion is to imagine all the new, higher, and holier songs that will be taught to them by angels in the Spirit. There will also be new dances given in praise to the Lord. The new song of the redemption of Zion is found in Doctrine and Covenants 84, 87 to 88, and 96 to 102. Verse 87, Behold, I send you out to reprove the world of all their unrighteous deeds and to teach them of a judgment which has to, which is to come. Verse 88, And whoso receiveth you, there I will be also. For I will go before your face, I will be on your right hand and on your left, and my spirit shall be in your hearts and mine angels round about you to bear you up. Verse 96, For I, the Almighty, have laid my hands upon the nations to scourge them for their wickedness. Verse 97, And plague shall go forth, and they shall not be taken from the earth until I have completed my work, which shall be cut short in righteousness. Verse 98, Until all shall know me, who remain even from the least unto the greatest and shall be filled with the knowledge of the Lord and shall see eye to eye and shall lift up their voice and with the voice together sing this new song saying, verse 99. The Lord hath brought again Zion. The Lord hath redeemed his people Israel according to the election of grace which was brought to pass by the faith and covenant of their fathers. Verse 100. The Lord hath redeemed his people, and Satan is bound, and time is no longer. The Lord hath gathered all things in one. The Lord hath brought down Zion from above. The Lord hath brought up Zion from beneath. Verse 101. The earth hath traveled and brought forth her strength, and truth is established in her bowels, and the heavens have smiled upon her, and she is clothed with the glory of God. Clothed with the glory of her God. For he stands in the midst of his people. Verse 102, glory and honor and power and might he ascribed to our God, for he is full of mercy, justice, grace, and truth, and peace forever and ever. Amen. This was prefaced by promise from the Lord to personally be with us and to send his angels round about us to strengthen us and bear us up. It is another perfect portrayal of the joy that will come to the saints right while they are in the camps of Zion. The hymn, Come, Come Ye Saints, was written by William Clayton while on his way to winter quarters from Nauvoo in 1846. Right in the midst of endless muddy trails that made traveling almost impossible through Iowa and into what is now Nebraska. William Clayton was an early convert from England, and he was the leader of the very first group of saints that traveled from England to Nauvoo. He was a trusted secretary of the prophet Joseph Smith, and occasionally he would transcribe revelations as they were entrusted to him by the prophet. He was a gifted violinist, and he helped build the Nauvoo Concert Hall. In the fall of 1845, after the prophet Joseph had been martyred and the saints were preparing to move west, Brigham Young asked William Clayton to purchase musical instruments and organize a brass band whose music lifted the hearts of the saints at their evening camps of Zion. 
William Clayton was concerned about lifting the spirits of the saints in the traveling camps of Zion, as he was a member of the very first pioneer company to leave Nauvoo in early 1846. Brother Clayton was worried about his wife, Diantha, who he had to leave behind because she was pregnant and not able to endure the rigors of primitive traveling. When he wrote, Come, Come, Ye Saints, he had just received the glad news of his son's birth, and he received a spiritual conviction that his entire family would be together again soon enough. More than 5,200 of the saints died before they reached the valleys of the Great Salt Lake over the years of the migration westward. But they learned to overcome their fears and have joy right in the midst of their journey. Some of the words to his inspired song are, Come, come, ye saints, no toil nor labor fear, but with joy wend your way. Though hard to you this journey may appear, grace shall be as your day. Tis better far for us to strive, our useless cares from us to drive. Do this in joy, your hearts will swell. All is well, all is well. Section 133 of Doctrine and Covenants is all about fleeing from Babylon, coming to Zion, and preparing for the great day of the Lord's second coming. For just a sampling, let us review the following taken from Doctrine and Covenants 133, verses 31 to 34 and 53. Verse 31. And the boundaries of the everlasting hills shall tremble at their presence. 32. And there shall they fall down and be crowned with glory even in Zion, by the hands of the servants of the Lord, even the children of Ephraim. 33, and they shall be filled with songs of everlasting joy. Emphasized. 34, behold, this is the blessing of the everlasting God upon the tribes of Israel and the richer blessing upon the head of Ephraim and his fellows. 53, in all their affliction, he was afflicted and the angel of his presence saved them and in his love and in his pity He redeemed them and bore them and carried them all the days of old. Section 138 of Doctrine and Covenants contains a vision given to President Joseph F. Smith on October 3, 1918, about the post-mortal world of the spirits of the dead. Verse 22, where these were, darkness resigned, but among the righteous was peace. 23, and the saints rejoiced in their redemption and bowed their knee, bowed the knee and acknowledged the Son of God as their Redeemer and Deliverer from death and the chains of hell. 24, their countenance shone and the radiance from the presence of the Lord rested upon them and they sang praises unto his holy name, emphasized. On the 14th of January, 1847, Brigham Young was given emphasized, quote, the word and the will of the Lord concerning the camp of Israel and their journeyings to the West, unquote. There is a great foreshadowing that is carrying, that is a carryover from the ancient Zion's camp and the soon to come last day Zion camp, in that the Lord provides instructions for the welfare and the happiness of the groups, particularly regarding the importance of both singing and dancing in the camps. Doctrine and Covenants 136, 22, 28 to 31, and 40 to 42 teaches. Verse 22, I am he who led the children of Israel out of the land of Egypt, and my arm is stretched out in the last days to save my people Israel. Verse 28, this is emphasized. If thou art merry, praise the Lord with singing, with music, with dancing, and with a prayer of praise and thanksgiving. Verse 29, also emphasized, If thou art sorrowful, call on the Lord thy God with supplication, that your souls may be joyful. Verse 30, Fear not thine enemies, for they are in mine hands, and I will do my pleasure with them. 
31. My people must be tried in all things, that they may be prepared to receive the glory that I have for them, even the glory of Zion. And he that will not bear chastisement is not worthy of my kingdom. Verse 40. Have I not delivered you from your enemies only in that I have left a witness of my name? Verse 41. Now therefore hearken, O ye people of my church, and ye elders, listen together. You have received my kingdom. Verse 42. Be diligent in keeping all my commandments, lest judgments come upon you, and your faith fail you, and your enemies triumph over you. Some of the greatest writings of the great prophet Isaiah come to us from the land of Israel about 559 to 545 BC. Truly, Isaiah was shown our day in extremely detailed daylight visions and nighttime dreams, like many other great prophets. In the 8th chapter of 2 Nephi, Nephi's younger brother is reading from the words of Isaiah as they are set forth from the brass plates of Laban. Pray then, read. Read then, pray, for the Spirit will witness that these authors of Holy Writ are personal witnesses of that which they record in the scrolls of the ancient ones. We learn in Second Nephi 8, verse 3, verses 11 to 13, verses 21 and 22 and 24. Verse 3, For the Lord shall comfort Zion, he will comfort all her waste places, and he will make her wilderness like Eden, and her desert like the garden of the Lord. Emphasized. The following is emphasized. Joy and gladness shall be found therein, thanksgiving and the voice of the Lord, the voice of melody. Verse 11. Therefore the redeemed of the Lord shall return and come with singing unto Zion, and everlasting joy, emphasized, and holiness shall be upon their heads, and they shall obtain gladness and joy, also emphasized. Sorrow and mourning shall flee away. Verse 12. I am he. Yea, I am that he that comforteth you. Behold, who art thou, that thou shouldst be afraid of man who shall die, and of the son of man who shall be made like unto grass? Verse 13. And forgettest the Lord, thy maker, that hath stretched forth the heavens, and laid the foundations of the earth, and hast feared continually every day because of the fury of the oppressor, as if he were ready to destroy? And where is the fury of the oppressor? Verse 21, Therefore, hear now this, thou afflicted and drunken, and not with wine. 22, Thus saith the Lord, the Lord thy God pleadeth the cause of his people. Behold, I have taken out of thine hand the cup of trembling, the dregs of the cup of my fury. Thou shalt no more drink it again. Verse 22, Awake, awake, put on thy strength, O Zion, put on thy beautiful garments. O Jerusalem, the holy city, for henceforth there shall no more come unto thee the uncircumscribed, and the unclean. Thus we see that in the last days the Lord will comfort Zion and gather Israel. Emphasized, the redeemed will all come to Zion amid great joy. Another great lesson that is yet to be taught in the future camps of Zion is the concept of complete and total reliance upon the Lord. Regardless of the stress and seeming impossibility of the circumstances and challenges that surround us, May we be quick to remember those humble and teachable souls that came out of Babylon and gathered at the waters of Mormon to be taught and baptized by Alma himself. They escaped the armies of Noah temporarily, only to be brought into captivity. 
The Lord eased the burdens placed upon them, that every man might easily bear his part. In Alma 33:23, we are promised, And now, my brethren, I desire that ye shall plant this word in your hearts, and as it beginneth to swell, even so nourish it by your faith. And behold, it will become a tree springing up in you unto everlasting life. The following is emphasized. And then may God grant unto you that your burdens may be light through the joy of his Son. And even all this can ye do if ye will. Amen. One of the great prophets who was shown these last days in great detail was Enoch. The seventh chapter of the book of Moses covers the establishment of the latter-day Zion, which in many ways is a mirroring of the establishment of his own pre-Diluvian Zion. Enoch foresees the holy atoning sacrifice, the restoration of the gospel, the great gathering, the second coming of the Son of Man, and the return of his own city of Enoch. Enoch's soul is tormented when he witnesses the extent of the wickedness in our day to the point wherein he cried out to the Lord, exclaiming, quote, when will the earth have rest? Unquote. He was very much aware that the earth is, in and of herself, a celestial soul, created by God to fulfill the same mission which pertains to us, the mission which flows from creation to exaltation. To this the Lord responds. Verse 60. And the Lord said unto Enoch, As I live, even so will I come in the last days, and in the days of wickedness and vengeance, to fulfill the oath which I have made unto you concerning the children of Noah. 61. And the day shall come that the earth shall rest, but before that day the heavens shall be darkened, and a veil of darkness shall cover the earth, and the heavens shall shake, and also the earth, and great tribulation shall be among the children of men, but my people will I preserve. Verse 62. And righteousness will I send down out of heaven, and truth will I send forth out of the earth to bear testimony of mine only begotten, his resurrection from the dead, yea, and also the resurrection of all men, and righteousness and truth will I cause to sweep the earth as with a flood, to gather out mine elect from the four quarters of the earth, unto a place which I shall prepare in holy city, that my people may gird up their loins and be looking forth for the time of my coming. For there shall be my tabernacle, and it shall be called Zion, a new Jerusalem. Verse 63, the entire verse is emphasized. And the Lord said unto Enoch, Then shalt thou and all thy city meet them there, and we will receive them into our bosom, and they shall see us, and we will fall upon their necks, and they shall fall upon our necks, and we will kiss each other. Verse 64, And there shall be mine abode, and it shall be Zion, which shall come forth out of the creations which I have made. And for the space of a thousand years the earth shall rest. Verse 67, entirely emphasized. And the Lord showed Enoch all things, even unto the end of the world. And he saw the day of the righteous, the hour of their redemption, and received a fullness of joy. Verse 68, And all the days of Zion and the days of Enoch were 365 years. 69, this is emphasized. And Enoch and all his people walked with God, and he dwelt in the midst of Zion, unemphasized. And it came to pass that Zion was not, for God received it up into his own bosom. And from thence went forth the saying, Zion is fled. Perhaps this was the very first major gathering out in the days of great wickedness, as the righteous inhabitants of Zion were removed, as per the plan, so as not to be present for the cleansing of the great flood. This process, of course, follows the endlessly recurring patterns established in the parable of the wheat and the tares. This is another demonstration of the principle of righteous, always being removed 
to pre-established places of refuge prior to the destruction of the wicked. And David was 30 years old when he was anointed king over all of Israel. 2 Samuel 6, 5, 12, and 14 tell us what happened after Daniel conquered the Philistines in the might of the Lord. Verse 5, And David and all of the house of Israel played before the Lord on all manner of instruments made by made of fir wood, even on harps and on psalteries and on timbrels and on cornets and on cymbals. Verse 12, So David went and brought up the ark of God from the house of Obed-Edomim, to the city of David with gladness. Verse 14, emphasized, and David danced before the Lord with all his might, unemphasized, and David was girded with a linen ephod. And there are further scriptures of joy and celebration. Psalm 154, verse 4, praise him with the timbrel and dance. Jeremiah 31, 13, then shall the virgin rejoice in the dance, both young men and old together, for I will turn their mourning into joy and will comfort them and make them rejoice from their sorrow. Psalm 30:11 Thou hast turned from me for me my mourning into dancing. Thou hast put off my sackcloth and girded me with gladness. Ecclesiastes 3:1 through 4 To everything there is a season and a time to every purpose under heaven, a time to be born, a time to die, a time to plant, a time to pluck up that which is planted, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to break down and a time to build up a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance. Finally, in the story of the prodigal son, there was much rejoicing and dancing because the lost son had returned home, as expressed in Luke 15:25. Now his older son was in the field, and as he came and drew nigh to the house, he heard music and dancing. May all of these sacred verses serve as a reminder that it is not just inspired singing that is heard in the latter days of camp, Latter-day Camps of Zion, but worshipful dancing unto the Lord, as their joy is expressed most particularly, particularly when their mornings is when their mourning is converted into rejoicing. Here is what Brigham Young had to say about the horrible persecutions and the people being driven out like wild animals. Quote, "You that have not passed through the trials and persecutions." but have only read of them may think how awful they were to endure and wonder that the saints survived them at all. The thought of it makes your heart sink within you, and you are ready to exclaim, quote, I could not have endured it. I have been in the heat of it, and I have never felt better in all my life. I never felt the peace and power of the Almighty more copiously poured out, poured upon me. Then in the keenest part of our trials, they appeared nothing to me, unquote. Unquote. Another witness of the joy of the saints in the midst of their most grievous trials was Eliza R. Snow, who said, none, quote, none but saints can be happy under every circumstance. Unquote. Jedediah M. Grant once said that even when he was at the gravesite of his baby girl buried in the plains, he felt nearer unto heaven, adding the following, quote, it has given me much it has given me much of trouble and a great amount of perseverance to be happy under all circumstances. I have learned not to fret myself. It has taken me a great while to arrive at this point. I thank the Lord for the bitter as well as for the sweet. Hmm. I want the saints to live in a way that they can feel happy all the time, and then we shall enjoy the Holy Spirit. Indeed, we are approaching a season that can be joyful. Let us sing the songs of everlasting joy. 
Gordon B. Hinckley was no hypocrite. Did he not preach sermons by the actions of life that he lived? He admonishes us, quote, In all of living, have much fun and laughter. Life is to be enjoyed, not just endured, unquote. Bishop Glenn L. Pay said, quote, Would I rather laugh with the sinners than cry with the saints? Not for one moment. Once one has felt the joy of the gospel, there is no going back into a frivolous world. Try as we might, travel where we may, there is an emptiness all the laughter the world has to offer cannot fill. That emptiness can be filled only by placing ourselves in tune with under, with eternal truths and living according to the prescribed laws of God. The following is emphasized. As our understanding increases, we realize that tears of sorrow can be exquisitely beautiful and that they ultimately give way to tears of eternal joy. The world knows little of true joy. Unemphasized. I thank, the, I thank God for the restoration of the gospel, which gives us an understanding of what true joy is and how we can obtain it. And I pray that each of us will discover the majesty of crying with the saints, unquote. The Lord himself declared unto the inhabitants of Zion, quote, Wherefore, lift up thy heart and rejoice and cleave unto the covenants which thou hast made, unquote.